This episode has been brought to you in part by the Toronto Heschel School. You are invited to attend their open house on November 10th to discover what makes Heschel special. Visit torontoheschel.org for more details. That's Toronto, H-E-S-C-H-E-L dot org. Concerns are growing for the safety of patients and healthcare workers as planned anti-vaccine protests are expected to happen outside of hospitals right across the country today. Our reporter. That's what it sounded like in early September when protests against COVID vaccine passports were being held outside some Canadian hospitals. In some cases, the anti-vaxxers blocked the entrances and even held up ambulances with patients inside. And all of this was so upsetting to frontline healthcare workers, including nurses, because they've been working flat out for 21 months during this pandemic. They felt there should be safe zones erected so they could get to work and continue saving lives. It was just one of the latest flashpoints in how Ontario and the other governments have handled or mishandled the COVID-19 crisis. And watching it all carefully has been Doris Greenspun. She's the daughter of Holocaust survivors. Her family fled to Chile during the Second World War, and she spent her career as a nurse. But she now runs the RNAO, the main lobby group representing Ontario's 45,000 nurses. Greenspun's been advising Premier Doug Ford that nurses are at the breaking point. They're leaving the profession and getting higher-paying jobs out west or in the States. And she warns that if he doesn't raise salaries and find ways to retain nurses and fast, it's the patients who are going to be the losers as COVID continues to fill up hospital beds because Ontario has the lowest ratio of nurses to patients in the country. This is what I kept saying to the premier and to the minister because what's happening in other countries is not only COVID, it's the lack of sometimes intense attention that is needed for those patients. There is a reason why in general they're one-to-one and now they're being one-to-two, one-to-three. I'm Ellen Besner and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, November 3rd, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Doris Greenspoon was born and raised in Santiago until, at age 17, she made Aliyah and moved to Israel where she started nursing school in Jerusalem. When the Yom Kippur War broke out in 1973, even though she was just a student, she was thrown into action anyway, caring for wounded Israeli soldiers in the burn unit. Fast forward to today, Grinspoon lives in Toronto. She was head nurse at Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto before taking up the job as the head of the Registered Nurses Association, which she's held for the last 25 years. COVID brought the healthcare system in the province to the breaking point. And today, Greenspoon says what her nurses and the other healthcare workers have been going through is a war, and a much worse one than the one she lived through in Israel, because that one was over in two and a half weeks. They don't have statistics for how many nurses have died or got COVID, but an estimated 90,000 healthcare workers did get the disease. The latest battles are a nursing shortage of 9,000 positions in Ontario alone, Plus, hospitals are now laying people off or even firing them if they refuse to be vaccinated, which is something she supports, by the way. Coming up, we'll hear from Greenspoon about why she worries Ontario's reopening plan to get rid of masks is a mistake. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Sam Tenenbaum in Montreal, Quebec. 
And this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Sympathy notes are still coming in for the family of Rabbi Mordechai Glick, formerly of Montreal. The 77-year-old was a psychologist, a teacher, and a rabbi. He and his wife Nina lived in Montreal for 43 years, starting in 1970. But the couple moved to Teaneck, New Jersey, several years ago to be closer to their children. Rabbi Glick's health had started to decline due to vascular dementia, and he continued to live at home thanks to the gentle and respectful care of his wife and family. Rabbi Glick died on October 20th. He leaves behind his wife and five children, and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Their daughter Nama still lives in Montreal. Donations are to be directed to Yachad, the National Jewish Council for Disability. My friend Michael Brook is an award-winning Canadian author. He's also a magazine and a book publisher. But a few years ago, Michael wanted a career change. So we went to work at a local Jewish funeral home in Toronto. Michael heard hundreds of eulogies, and he wondered how these stories will be passed on to future generations. So he decided to create a new memoir company. It's called Time for My Story. It's about the insights and wisdom and stories you want to share with family and friends before it's too late. As Michael says, a memoir book is an investment in your family and in their memories. It also makes a truly remarkable gift. In honor of November being Holocaust Education Month, a portion of all proceeds from Time for My Story orders will be donated to fighting anti-Semitism. For a free half-hour consultation, Please email Michael. Visit timeformystory.com to learn more. The link is in our show notes. Doris Greenspoon has done 8,000 interviews by her count since the pandemic started, so we were the latest. She texts and consults with Ontario's political leaders, including the Premier Doug Ford and his cabinet ministers all the time, to get nurses' views heard about the government's handling of the pandemic. And she's personally been the target of anti-vaxxers for her feisty style. In fact, a recent tweet got her into hot water when she advised Dr. Brian Goldman, who's a well-known broadcaster and ER doctor, what to do about some neighbours who had anti-vax signs on their house. She tweeted that she would serve them one of her famous empanadas laced with a laxative to teach them a lesson. She later had to walk back that tweet. Doris Greenspoon joins us now from her home in Toronto. I have heard you say that in your all experiences, whether it was in the uh, Israeli um, war, the, uh, the Yom Kippur war, or in all the front lines that you've been, you consider what's happened with nursing and frontline workers here in Ontario as the worst war you've been in. Uh, do you still feel that way? And how did that, yes. how yes. did that phrase come to be? Yeah, because I don't think that anyone else but nurses or other health professionals in the front lines, um, and also in other roles, but mainly in the front lines, can comprehend what it means to be two years, two years, the intense, the length, the length of this pandemic, right? SARS was brutal, and a war is brutal, and I'm talking about the wars in Israel, I don't know others, I'm sure that others that have been in wars that last for two, three years, and we know conflicts that last for two, three, four years, will say, Doris, you don't know what you're talking. And I respect that. I'm talking on my experience because of the length of this pandemic. It's 21 months, right? 20 months, 21 months of at the beginning, fearing that you're bringing the virus home, that you don't know how it gets 
you know, how you pass it on, that you are taking care of patients because that's what you do. And that's what not only you love to do, but what you know how to do. And because you want to save lives. And, and what happens if you picture whether it's the PSWs or the nurses, mainly those two, um, in long-term care, right? Where they were the great majority of them. But to see also the continuous illness and dying in very difficult conditions, right? Because residents remember they were in their rooms, isolated, without the family, without the loved ones. Uh, at the beginning, <laughs> even without caregivers that sometimes they have. Here was staff and them. And staff was not enough. We have been saying this since, you know, two decades. If you then go to the hospital sector and you look at the beginning, first wave, they prepare up to the moon. And no, they didn't get the number of patients. We thought, remember, we thought we will not even have enough ventilators, but no one knew, right? But those nurses went through the fear anyways. And they, you know, because they didn't know much about what. And then the third wave was brutal, was brutal. And it didn't need to be that way. Nurses arranged that took care of two, three patients sometimes. And but the patient suffers the consequences, right? Of, of all the way to dying, not only from COVID. This is what I kept saying to the premier and to the minister because what's happening in other countries. It's not only COVID, it's the lack of sometimes um, intense attention that is needed for those patients. There is a reason why in general they're one-to-one, -one, right? And now they're being one-to-two, one-to-three, and plus the exhaustion. Dr. Brinkman, can we, can we focus on some yes. of the issues you've been speaking out about in the last two weeks, such as um, the different ways that the hospitals in Ontario have been allowed to set their own deadlines or their own rules for whether the staff needs to be vaccined, vaccinated by and how that's impacting your members. So first of all, let me start with the positive because I don't want listeners of your podcast to be confused. The great majority of nurses are vaccinated. The great, great majority. If you look at Ottawa, it's over 90%. And most of them is the case. Second, RNO, myself, of course, as, as the leader and my president, Morgan Offert, as the president, have all the patience in the world to people that are vaccine hesitant, meaning you don't, you want more explanation. We will give you more explanation. It comes a point when health professional ought not to need more explanation. So, you know, um, and then comes the few that will say to you directly, my body, my choice. Well, you know, I'm a feminist. My body, my choice, I'm all for it. Not when it comes to something that is contagious, not 
to when it comes to um, a pandemic that we need to put an end to it because if not, there might be a mutation and then we will be even worse. Uh, we are delighted that some CEOs have stepped up to the plate and that some nursing, some home care agencies like Saint Elise have stepped up to the plate and Bayshon and a few others. But this puts at risk now, even more so the ones that didn't, that have more lenient rules that are not saying here is the deadline. Why? Well, in that case, where are you going to go? Are you going to stop working? No, you will go to the ones that have more lenient rules. And my biggest concern is that where they will end, many of them, is in um, home care that doesn't have those rules because they are sure, not all of the home care agencies have the rules and they're terribly short staffed, everybody is. And then you will be taking care of patients at home, but they will be put at more danger because they will get a higher dose of non-vaccinated people. So the premier, with all the respect to him, has created the chaos. I guess we'll have to leave it there, Dr. Greenspoon, and we'll look forward to having a better fall and a better winter. We will. And please ask, I let me ask, the community to continue to do what's right, to not cut corners because about that I also heard, traveling to the US, not doing the test after, et cetera, et cetera, during the pandemic, I'm not even talking now that it's allowed. Please, 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 if we all do our part, we're going to get out of this a lot faster and don't throw the mask. Keep safe and keep your loved ones safe. That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia, Integrity, Community, Quality, and Customer Care. This episode's also brought to you in part by the Toronto Heschel School. Attend their open house on November 10th, and you can go to torontoheschel.org for more details. Today's listener shout-out goes to Kathy Cohen in Montreal. She's also a baker by profession, and she liked the episode we did Tuesday so much about the fellow on the Great Canadian Baking Show that she posted the story into a popular Facebook group called Creative Cooking During Corona. It's a group that was started by Cheryl Obron Cohen. And we'll end today's episode with a short clip of an interview I did this summer with Rabbi Mordecai Glick and his wife, Nina. Baruch Dayan Emet. Our deepest condolences go out to the entire family. We enjoyed our life being in the rabbinate. Um, we miss every drop. I, I miss every drop of it. I miss being someone that the community can turn to. My life is completely, completely different. Um, our, our life is different. Yes. And particularly because I can't contribute now. I, I'm like, I don't know, I have all kinds of problems and I just... I don't remember things, and so I'm just sort of sitting and... You're I, contributing every single moment that you stand near your family. You are contributing by being who you are, okay? I keep telling you that. You are contributing by being who you are. You are the person who was the world's best father. You are the person who treated your wife like royalty. You are the person who your ch- grandchildren looked up to and loved. <laughs> 
The Limud Toronto Festival takes place on Sunday, November 21st. Limud features educators, performers, authors, activists, and innovators from around the world. The Limud Festival of Jewish Learning celebrates creativity, diversity, inclusivity, and discussion. Everyone is welcome. All tickets to Limud are pay what you can. Learn more at limud.ca.